What's up, everyone out there? It's me, it's me. It is Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega, sometimes known as Gino V, because it rhymes with, it's me, it's me, which is a little gimmick I lifted from a professional wrestler named, I think his name's like Paige Falconer, something like that, otherwise known as, oh no, Paige Falkenberg. I believe, otherwise known as Diamond Dallas Page, otherwise known as DDP, who was often known for proclaiming, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. Hence, it's me, it's me, it's Gino V. Get it? Got it? Good. That's right, we're here with episode 54 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network This particular show on the network is a show in which we sensationalize the everyday. We basically talk about absolutely nothing, mundane nonsense, and attempt to elevate it into something marginally listenable, maybe. As for the network writ large, you can go to the podcast platform of your choice, search IC Robots Radio, hit subscribe, hit like, hit whatever you got to do, and you will receive access to all... I see robots radio content that comes down the pike. That includes this show. That includes our flagship show, the world's famous IC robot show, and anything else that may be coming through this vaunted brand. That would also include the show uh, Geek Fest Rants. Um, but yeah, here on this show, you are with me, Gino V, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, and we got some stuff to talk about. Or actually, we don't have anything to talk about, but we will play it by the ear as it goes. We'll we'll see what we can do. Folks, part of the problem about having a show about nothing, and again, I mean a true show about nothing, not a show like Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm that purports to be about nothing, but then has um, professional writers behind it, scripting everything, coming up with gags and, uh, you know, going through focus groups and this, that, and the third. This this show is literally about nothing, presented by a nobody, myself, totally off the cuff. And sometimes in my schmo life, the planets can align where I've had enough weird things happen to me that I have some content to talk about for 30 minutes or so. Um, and... Earlier on in the life of the show, too, we're at episode 54 now. I hope I didn't say 53 either. Every time I start an episode of the show, I start with a template that was the save file from the last episode. So I'm looking at the screen. On the screen up here at top, it says MSGV53, but this is obviously 54, but I feel like sometimes I uh, transpose this and uh, maybe say the, the prior episode number. This is in fact, folks, in fact, episode 54. But as I was saying earlier in the life of the show, you know, I had years of material that I hadn't run off at the mouth about that I could draw on. But as each episode lurches forward, um, every memory that I drudge up, every story that I tell is one that is gone from the bank. And you find yourself or I find myself on a day like today where I legit have nothing to talk about. Not a thing. But 
because there are tens of ones out there listening, clamoring for weekly content, because I don't want to be seen uh, as a flake with the boss here at the radio network, Icy Robots himself, uh, we're just going to say lack of topics, lack of subject matter. What's that to a show about nothing? We were just going to continue, continue on. So here I am speaking to you through my orange colored blue snowball microphone. And, uh, we're just going to see what happens. Um, what has been happening? There's gotta be, I just, there no inspiration struck immediately today to, to be, to provide like a central topic, uh, something to, uh, hang one's hat on and then tangentialize out from outwardly from, um, you know, sort of like when listener, uh, Joe, Joe C, not to be confused with the deceased member of the, uh, Kid Rock entourage, Joe C, but Joe C from Santa Rosa, California, friend of the show, friend of the network, he's building a house, building a house. He bought a lot, he bought property and then he's building a house on that lot. And so think of our show as if, um, you know, in good times when I have <clears throat> some focus topic, it's like Joe sets out that day in his bulldozer to start working on the most northern western corner of the house. And he knows he's going to work on that today. He's going to build that corner. And then that corner gets built up. But while he's building that corner, he sees uh, the footpath out to the cornfield that he can work on. And so he does the footpath. And then when he's done with the footpath, he sees um, the uh, in-ground pool area needs some, some grading. So he can work on that. So he started with that central idea of the furthest northwest corner, and he tangentialized out from that. That's normally how these shows go. Today, there is no topic. So there's no northwest corner. There's nowhere to start. Instead, we're talking about Joe C. building his house. We're talking about deceased members of the Kid Rock entourage. We're talking about corners of unbuilt homes. We're talking about grading pool surfaces, if that's even a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. We need an engineer nerd. Is that a thing? Grading pool surfaces? I don't know. Um, but... I digress. Um, you know, there's a podcast I listen to. It's the, the uh, oh, I forget what it's called. Maybe it's just called The Fight with Teddy Atlas. It's the Teddy Atlas podcast. It's a boxing, uh, great boxing, voice of boxing, former boxing commentator on, I believe he was with ESPN, um, Teddy Atlas. He did uh, voice work for the last significant boxing video game that was ever released that EA Sports Fight Night Champion excellent game by the way um not, I don't I don't know so much about like the actual playing as real boxers but I loved that story mode that that game had where you played as Andre Bishop making your way to the world's title against Isaac Frost it was a story that much of the um combat sports world particularly combat entertainment Sports where they can sort of script things or nudge things along should take note of because it was like the perfect sports drama story. And for some reason, as I have harped on many times in the show in the past, we see very little of that in the world of combat sports, narrative combat sports, combat sports where you're actually writing a story, presenting a story. Let's just call, call it what it is, professional wrestling, okay? Um, the UFC and other MMA organizations and, and even boxing to a degree seem to do a better job at... Um, taking what was started by pro wrestling as far as like presenting a um, cogent, emotionally evocative sports narrative, um, even though they're not able to um, 
themselves script the final result. Although, you know, I think that that's actually why I enjoy MMA more than pro wrestling at this point in my life. Because, and again, we're, we're way off, uh, off topic here, but I guess this is the thing we're, we, we, without a North, a Northwest corner so much to, uh, guide the way we're still tangentializing like no one's business. But when I was young, I loved professional wrestling. And part of the allure was that it was very, um, inaccessible. I couldn't watch it whenever I wanted to. There were these pay-per-views. I couldn't get my parents to let me buy. I saw little glimpses of it, hints and magazines. And I think that the genre is a lot better that way when you're not seeing it constantly like one is able to now. Because I got to a point with professional wrestling where as much as I loved it, I watched so much, I feel like there's nothing really left to see in it. Because I see everything now. I'm so, you know, I've seen so much of it. I know what's going to happen. So I can't really remember the last time I sat down to watch pro wrestling and I had any kind of emotional investment in what the outcome of the performance was going to be. It's always about uh, the, the contemporary pro wrestling is like meta critiquing the performance itself, but there's very little. It'd be like if you were watching a movie and the plot was immaterial, you're simply honing in on and critiquing the actor's performances. And people do that, and that's, that is part of, of enjoying any kind of dramatic or performative content. But um, I guess the point I'm saying is it's more fun, I guess, to watch a well-built-up fight with uh, um, a reason for being there, a reason for watching it, but where you don't 100% know how it's going to turn out. And I, I feel like wrestling has lost the ability to do that, at least for me. But it's also probably because I watch too much. But anyway, so the fight with Teddy Atlas, the great Teddy Atlas, uh, friend of the show, friend of the network, uh, Teen One Doll, at Teen Numeral One Doll, D-O-L, over on the Twitter machine. Uh, one of his favorite um, figures in the world of boxing, Teddy Atlas. Uh, he has this podcast, and I like listening to him because he just has kind of a, a all-over-the-place, scatterbrained, kind of punch-drunk old boxer guy approach. It to, and he talks about boxing. I don't really follow boxing. And he talks about MMA a little bit more because that's kind of surpassed boxing as the pre preeminent uh, combat sport. Sorry, Albert, Teen Wendell, but it's true. But um, I just like listening to, a talk, to him talk. I don't really care what he is talking about. And I honestly hope some of the tens of ones feel that way about me because that's kind of my goal. The whole goal of a show about nothing is just to present present a cadence that you're listening to in the background uh, rather than anything specific that one is listening to. But anyway, uh, this episode, this uh, podcast, Teddy Atlas podcast, I like listening to a talk. His host is kind of annoying because his host is this like marathon runner guy. And they're both kind of like, uh, I don't know if they're total mutants, but they're always like kind of skeptical about vaccines and all that stuff. That's, that's part and parcel in the world of sports. Though. So many of those guys are like that for whatever whatever ungodly reason, but I still like listening to them, um, despite the misinformation that they spread from time to time. But, um, one time Teddy Atlas was, uh, talking about something and he wanted to say that he digressed and he was like, Oh, but I regress. And the, the co-host Ken was like, ah, no, Teddy, you don't, you don't regress. You, Oh, I, uh, I, uh, forgress. No, no, Teddy. No, it's, it's, ah, I grass. I love that. There's just what what a way to just end it. He gresses. That's just the, you don't got to worry about about the prefix. You just gress. All right. So we gress. We gress here on this show. We gress so hard that I don't even remember what I was talking about to get here. And we gress so hard. I would just like to let everyone out there know there are many times, many times when I record this show where I will take a break every few minutes. I will 
talk about something for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, I will slap the pause button on the iMac, the Macintosh computer. I will go get a drink of water. I'll pace around. I will catch my breath. I will try to think about what I'm going to talk about next. I will have you know we are 12 minutes and 20 seconds into episode 54. I have not pressed the pause button once, and you know what? I'm going to make a pledge to you right now. For the duration of this episode, there will be no stops. There will be no pauses. We are getting live, unfiltered, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega for however long as I can go, because that is going to be the remedy, my friends. That is how we are going to get past this obstacle of not knowing what to talk about and feeling totally, thoroughly uninspired. Now, we were talking about... Oh, so Joe Carr building the house, something to... Joe C, sorry. I, I don't know I don't know if Joe cares if I give his real name out here. I, that wasn't his real name anyway. That's an alias. But I, for whatever reason, I tend to think... I just I tend to just default to aliases for people like Joe C and One Doll. But I mean, I'm sure the tens of ones, we all know each other anyway. So big whoop, as it were. So here's the thing. I uh, was feeling a little down in the dumps last weekend. I think I talked about this on the last episode of the show. Just general, I had a general feeling of malaise lately. And I don't think that's anything unique. I know Icy Robots, our esteemed head of the network, has felt this way um, lately to some degree. But, um, you know, I was at home and I was, it was Saturday night and I was on Facebook and I just saw a stream of, uh, of just... Toxic negativity after toxic negativity. Uh, there was one. I just I happened to see this ad, and for some, whatever reason, the um, advertiser chose to use for the model for their product. It was a couple, and it was a couple with a African American gentleman and a white woman. And of course, of course, 2021, folks, not 1941, not 1931. 2021, the future is now. And we have people losing their crap. Oh, this is white genocide. Oh, uh, this is uh, virtue signaling. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And the truth, the, 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 the thing that is so crazy to me, crazy to me about these triggered mutants is that um, they tend to normally claim, don't a lot of them claim that they're belligerent chest thumpers about business and free market and, and making money and... and when a company chooses models, when a company chooses how they are marketing a product, when a company chooses what to name or not name something, they're not doing this out of some altruistic reasons, for some ideological reasons, for um, anything like that. At least I hope they're not. I hope to God they're not. Because what these companies are attempting to do at the end of the day is sell product. Whatever their product happens to be, they are trying to sell product. So if their market research had told them that this particular image of this particular couple is the most efficient way to make the most amount of money, there's not a mutant alive that should have a problem with that. Do you think Mr. Trump would have made his billions? Well, did he really make billions? I don't know. That, what am I talking about? These, these mutants don't do don't uh, favor proper business practices. It's just a lot of uh, chest thumping and smoke. So anyway, some of the people are absolutely losing their mind that this innocuous image happened to have a mixed couple. Um, whatever. Not like there weren't two thousand other ads that had same race people in them. 
Um, then from there, it was on to... Oh, this one was actually kind of funny. I It popped up in my feed because ISR, of all people, had commented on it. He's not normally one, I don't think, to comment on public stuff. But I saw this. There's a ski place somewhere in the vicinity that used to be called Squaw Valley. And the name has recently been changed because the company that owns it was trying to dis- disassociate themselves with the weird, kind of the creepy Indian names that people are so enamored with in the, in the States for whatever reason. And your mileage can vary with that. You can think... Calling something squaw something or other is is the worst thing in the world. You can think it's uh, uh, the best thing in the world. I would imagine for most people that aren't of like the Indian tribes of that particular reason region, there's really no reason to have an opinion one way or the other. Let it ride. Let, but in but in in any case. People were losing their minds. Of course, like oh, back in 1949, no one was ever offended by anything. Well, hmm. It's probably because in 1949, like, 1% of the population actually had a voice about anything. But um, in any case, ISR had chimed in very, very reasonably, very rationally that, folks, it's a private company making a choice to make a name change. And I think he had even talked to, used the logic I used just prior, that uh, it was probably something that they felt was going to make their ski resort the most amount of money, so... Let it go. You still have your memories. If you, you went there when you were a kid and it was called something else, uh, deal. Um, so that was annoying. Not him posting that. That was great. But just the, again, blah, 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 all the noise. And then finally, the last thing I saw was an ad. Facebook has these ads for these Facebook groups. And they make the groups look all much fancier and uh, useful than they actually are. But it was an ad for some Facebook group. And it was Asian cooking Facebook group. And um had a picture of some very high-end type of soup being made. And part of the pr- preparation, because I believe it was Chinese, there was a, a whole fish being used. Because that's a staple in many uh, Chinese cuisine. Many parts of China, you will you will traffic in whole fish. I grew up as a child going to restaurants, and the family would order one of the things they would order. You order in, in the type of uh, Chinese food that my family was... Uh, delving into my family that came to the States by way of Shanghai and Hong Kong, both, uh, you know, uh, what do you mean? Port cities, ocean cities. So a lot of seafood, uh, in the muscle memory. Um, you would sit around this large round table with the big, the tabletop was this huge round lazy Susan that you could spin around and you don't, each person doesn't order one thing. The table orders a ton of different stuff and then you spin it around on the table and Whatever you see, whatever you want, you just grab and take. Because um, I remember my dad, who married into the family, told me once when I was a little kid that one of the first times he went out to dinner with my mom's family, he was trying to be polite and like let other people get stuff first, and he got nothing. Because that's not how it works in the Chinese-American family by way of Shanghai and Hong Kong. It's just you take what you want off that Lazy Susan, and then someone else is going to yank it back in their direction and take what they want and... uh uh, he who gets the fish eye wins. So anyway, yeah, one of the things that would always get ordered were these whole fish and whole fish on the plate, face, eye, everything. People fighting over who gets to eat the eye because it's a good omen uh, in the in the cultural tradition. Anyway, so there's an image of this whole fish, and of course, people are losing their mind. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, they eat dogs. Oh, uh. and it's just like, man, there's something that bothers me. One of my biggest pet peeves is culinary ignorance. And by culinary ignorance, I don't mean some hoity-toity uh, eating at the French Laundry with Gavin Newsom hot cuisine take. 
because I find it equally as annoying as vexing when some moron sees an image of just a beautifully prepared, fresh-caught, high-end fish. And because their only interaction with fish, their only knowledge of fish is from living in some landlocked, godforsaken place, apologies to my landlocked friends, where the fish they're getting is out of a Walmart being flown in from God knows where from months prior, that they think that that their perception of fish is all that's out there in the world. Like, that... It can't possibly be that there are higher calibers and higher experiences of fish out there, and that's why other people in other parts of the world eat them. No, no, no. It's because these people are stupid, and they eat things that are gross. So I don't. So on one hand, that's annoying. On, on the flip side, though, I, I'm an equal opportunity hater of culinary ignorance. I cannot stand when, on the flip side, hoity-toity hot cuisine people look down their nose at the common man enjoying, you know, um, the latest offerings from KFC. Even so much as enjoying the much reviled, uh, in culinary circles, um, McDonald's chicken nuggets. I love McDonald's chicken nuggets. I will not in a million years argue that they are a pinnacle of cuisine or even intended to be. I love them for what they are. And I guess that's my point with culinary ignorance. I can't stand this thing where people don't understand that each these these different foods have their place in different settings in different cultures, in different environments. You may not understand it, but there's probably a reason. There's probably a reason why other people do. So know your role, shut your mouth, and stay off threads accusing people of smelling bad and eating dogs when you don't know what the flip you're talking about. Anyway, these experiences all converge to me being totally sick of Facebook and deciding my life would be better, my life would be more peaceful if I were to disavow social media in its entirety. So I deactivated the Twitter machine. I deactivated the Facebook machine. I long ago deactivated the Instagram machine. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to Instagram. That's another story for another time. Uh, Cliff Notes version, I, a lot of annoying um, people that I worked with in my old job are all about uh, Instagram because they're all like 27-year-old uh, women. Not casting any spurs as a 27-year-old woman. It's just a different demographic than, than what myself, a, a 45-year-old man, is into. So uh, I was friends with some of the people at that job. Uh, I got kind of mean girled on the way out and I didn't really want to be up on Instagram seeing them all do fake pictures of themselves making their life look 10 million times better than it actually is. So I said sayonara to Instagram and I don't think I'll ever go back because it just, it's not me. It's not my demo. You know, my kids use Instagram. My kids use TikTok. I, I'm an old guy. I don't do, I, homie don't play that as we old people say. Um, anyway, so I decided this was it. I was done. My social media days were done. But you know, I realized the problem is there is this whole clutch of people that I only ever see or know about through social media. And at first I thought, ah, that's okay. I don't, I mean, I don't want to sound, this sound like I'm dissing the tens of ones because many of the tens of ones I only know through social media. But I just thought, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I, I knew them and I'll, I'll still do this show and reach out to some of them, I guess, maybe if they're still listening, but I don't, I don't need to be on there. But then I thought about it and it's like, man, I'm going to sacrifice my relationship with my virtual homies because of getting driven crazy by chatter, mutant chatter. That, that's not healthy. That's not good. So um, I'm back. I'm back, baby. And I don't think anyone even noticed that I was gone. <laughs> but I'm back. Uh, back to continue rollicking in the in the digital hills with Wendell. I'm back to uh, 
uh, give uh, E-Nerd a hard time about any number of things. I don't even know why I give E-Nerd a hard time. Wendell is different because it's like we're in some of the same fandom circles and I like to troll him about some stuff. I think what it is is ISR and E-Nerd sometimes trade volleys on social media, so I somehow kind of just internalized that and, and joined in the fray. E-Nerd, I hope you don't take it uh, personally because I know we, I don't know you as well as, say, a Wendell. I think I feel comfortable that with a Wendell, I can like give him noogies and like... Uh, give him swirlies and shove him into a locker and kick him and, and he's going to know it's all in good fun. I just want you to know when I, I when I, when I'm joshing you on this show, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all good. It's all good in the hood. Um, where were we? We're 24 minutes in bro. And no, this is nonstop veganism, vegan stream of consciousness. We're taking you to a whole new Vegaverse here. Um, let's see. There was something else that was occurring to me that I could talk about. Oh, I know what it is. You guys ever have these dreams, these really irritating dreams where you're in some kind of real world setting, but real world stuff will not work. Um, most common example is a dream where you need to use a cell phone to call or text someone. And um, if you call, you can't get a hold of them. Maybe it'll ring and you get a voicemail, but you can't get a hold of them. And if you text, you can't get the proper words to uh, get on the screen, which interestingly happens often in waking life. You know, I'll at least attempt to text and autocorrect is messing things up, but I can't get my fingers on the right spot. I just can't get it right. Um, this is like that um, on Scott Steiner level of steroids. Holler if you hear me. Um, so that's one version of the dream. Another version of the dream is I'll dream sometimes that I'm somewhere like Reno or Las Vegas uh, and there's slot machines and arcade machines and I go to try to play them, but I can't actually play any of them. Like I, I know that I want to play them, but I either can't physically get to them or when I get to them, I can't quite get them to work. Um, I'm sure there's all kinds of absurd neuroscience reasons um, for, oh, well, you see, because the neuron doesn't fire to the X plasma medicula, you can't see a, a, a written word in a dream. I, I, I don't, I don't go there. I don't care. That means nothing to me. That's gobbledygook. I mean, I, on a medical level, sure. Um, on an existential level, you know, dreams are what you experience. I don't, I, I, life is what you experience. There's all sorts of reductivist mechanical explanations for things, but that doesn't really, uh, explain these things in an existentially meaningful way. In a way that, that appeals to why am I here? Why am I experienced? Why? Why? We, we spend a lot of time in this world being told what and being told how. Very little time on why. The why is probably the most important. I had a dream last night. It was the most frustrating dream. I was driving out near Sonoma, California, which is near where I live in Napa, California. And I think that I had to go maybe pick up one of my kids or go to some kind of appointment. But I had a little bit of time to kill. So I stopped at this place called, it was like the Old Sonoma Roadhouse or something like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not to be confused with Texas Roadhouse. Isn't that one of those weird chains? Um, I believe I went to one of those once. Um, I went to a wedding. A wedding that took place in a backyard and a home in the city of Rancho Cucamonga, California. 
town associated with the god-awful wrestling tag team, the Young Bucks. Uh, one, Teen Wundle's favorite wrestling tag team of all time. He likes watching dorky-looking geeks do somersaults. Um, to him, that is the pinnacle of mano y mano, or dos mano y dos mano. I'm probably saying that wrong. Apologies, Albert. Um, combat sports, the, the, the pinnacle of the struggle for survival, the struggle for the fittest, the struggle to see who comes out on top is guys wearing neon uh, doing cartwheels. The Young Bucks. But the Young Bucks hail from Rancho Cucamonga, California, and that's part of their whole bit, and we're supposed to be very excited that they sell a lot of t-shirts and make a lot of money. Why this should appeal to anyone, I have no clue. Ask Wundle, at Teen Wundle, on the Twitter machine. Um, anyway, I went to a wedding out there, and everyone <coughs> from out of area... Excuse me, one moment. <coughs> Got something... <clears throat> stuck in my throat. I would have done that off air, but I'm trying to get through this without taking a break. How is this happening? This never happens normally when I take a break. Anyway, sorry, I'm back now. Um, everyone from out of the area going to the wedding where I was all staying in the same hotel out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the only thing that was anywhere nearby, it was this huge parking lot in the middle of the Inland Empire of nowhere. Hotel plopped down there and then across this big expanse of parking lot, a Texas roadhouse. So uh, I visited the Texas Roadhouse, and I don't really rem remember much about it other than it's just like any other uh, middle American chain, um, except it pur purported to have somewhat of a roadhouse -y vibe. Um, although, again, it was just it, it was like any other Applebee's or what have you. Um, <clears throat> in any case, in this dream, this roadhouse had much more of a unique roadhouse look. I think in my mind, I was it was um, the... Imaginal inspiration came by way of this place called the Washu House, which is this old historic bar that Clint Eastwood is known to frequent sometimes. It's somewhere out, I can't remember exactly what town it is, but it's somewhere in the Sonoma County, Napa County region, somewhere out there. Anyway, stopped at Sonoma Road House. And for some reason in my dream, I was very excited to um, partake in uh, a beer at this Texas Roadhouse, which I don't know why I was so excited. I at any number of times, stop somewhere and get a beer. And well, I'm sure, I enjoy it. I, for some reason, it was a big deal in the dream. There was something about what the kind that they were going to have here at this Texas Roadhouse. And again, I don't know what was so exciting, but in the dream, that's just the narrative that was happening. So I was rolling with it. Um, I go in there, I sit down at the bar, and there's a bartender, and there's like three or four servers, and they're all trying to make sure that I'm getting connected with the beverage of my choice. And in my dream, I see these beverages on a board on the wall and I see one that appeals to my sensibilities and I pick it. And this woman that's the server is like, Oh no, 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 no. That's that, that's a uh, out of date. That's our old pedestrian, uh, beer list. We have our new special list. It's right here. You need to pick something off the special list. So she gives me this menu. That's the special list, not a special list, a special list. If that makes any sense, not a special list, a special list. God, that's hard to say. Anyway. Um, what I'm trying to say here is not a um, pyrotechnic flamethrowing specialist like barbecue from the G.I. Joe team, but a special list of beers being served in the imaginary, fictional, old Sonoma Roadhouse. But it was one of these deals when I got the menu, I couldn't really, I couldn't focus on it. I couldn't pick something. I couldn't see what I wanted. And then when I was seeing beers that I wanted, I was seeing beers in a style that I don't necessarily drink. I'm going to throw this out here 
Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. Now brace yourself. Is all about the India Pale Ales. It's the West Coast style of beer. I'm from the West Coast of the United States. I make no bones about it. No apologies. That's just the way it is, baby. That's just the way it. What song is that? That's some song. Anyhow, that's just the way it is. Um, with IPAs, you get people that either freak out about it because they're like Budweiser drinkers, and IPA is kind of the poster child for a quote unquote fancy beer. So it's like, why are you drinking that fancy beer? And then for other actual bona fide fancy beer drinkers, they're like, oh, that's hop forward. Why aren't you drinking this Saison or this da da da? Nothing against any of those other beers. Knock yourself out, drink as much as you want, go full Stone Cold Steve Austin, just pour them, you know, on your head, down your throat, over your face. Um, there's just this weird, I don't see a lot of, like, IPA drinkers freaking out about someone drinking a Saison. I feel like this is one-way traffic. But I drink IPAs, deal, and I drink, um, I, my absolute, <clears throat> excuse me, pinnacle for me are what they call hazy IPAs, making it even more controversial because there are those of you out there, there are the purists out there that would claim, well, the hazy beer is just a beer that wasn't filtered properly because it's the real, like, cloudy, uh, dank, citrusy, textured beers. That's what I like. Love it or leave it, you know? Um, so I'm trying to get a hazy IPA at this place and I, I can't find it on the menu. And then finally, these two other guys are at the bar and they order these drinks that were called, um, I think it was like the Hop Haze or something like that. And I see them get these two delicious looking hazy pints and I was like, hey, that's what I'll have. I'll have one of those too, one of those hop hazes. And then um, the guy behind the bar, who at this point now is basically um, canceled celebrity chef Mario Batali. This guy looks exactly like Mario Batali. And I think this where this came from is there's a brewery, a beer taproom place here in Napa um, called, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. This is insane because I've gone there a million times. And I always want to call it by a name that it's not because it's next to like two other places. Um, I don't know. Name will come to me at some point. Anyway, there's a fellow that's always working at this place and he looks a lot like Mario Batali. He's got the long kind of receding hair, bald head, <coughs> ponytail, long red hair, ponytail, bald at the top, red beard, kind of portly fellow. Looks a lot like Mario Batali. Anyway, in the dream, the bartender was basically Mario Batali himself. But again, I think it's inspired by this guy that sort of looks like him. Anyway, he's like, oh, here you go, buddy. And where the other two guys had gotten these like delicious looking pints in these pint glasses, he gave me a soda cup um, with ice in it and a beverage. And he's like, just what you asked for, the heat hops or something like that. And I was like, oh, he misheard me, but whatever, it's just gonna be fine. And I drink it and it basically tastes like Bloody Mary mix with a bunch of hot sauce poured into it. And I realized it's like this heat gimmick drink. And it was just god-awful and disappointing and frustrating. And then the dream ended. Why do I share this? Because, folks, we are a show about nothing. And it doesn't get more brass tacks nothing than my dream about the old Sonoma Roadhouse. Folks, this has been a 35-minute sprint, and we're going to call it. We're going to call it for this week. We will be back next week with episode 55 Maybe I'll think of something, um, I'll think of that northeast corner of the house to use as an anchor piece for next, next week. I hope, God willing, as it were. Until then, it's me, it's me, 
Mr. Sensational Gino V for the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network signing off!